Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Living free. Ah, welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855kHz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Hi, I'm Bill and with my co-hosts would, acknowledge, would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. We pay our respects to the, their elders, past and present, and acknowledge that this land was stolen and sovereignty was never ceded. Each week on The Living Free Show, we showcase one of the many programs that assist in recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery story and highlight that shared experience saves lives. My guest today is a compulsive gambler who's recovering with the help of Gamblers Anonymous. So I'd like to welcome Yakov to the show. Hi, Yakov. Hey, Bill. How are you going? Very well. Um, so, Yakov, um, you've been on the show about two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. so I thought we can... Um, do a quick sort of recap on your your story and then find out what's changed since you were on last time. Sure. Thanks for having me here today, um, firstly. Um, so, yes, basically um, my my backstory in a, in a nutshell is um, I was born in uh, 1982 and grew up in a family, um, tight-knit family. I was the youngest of four. Um, Jewish Orthodox family um, living in... Um, Eastern Kilda Caulfield area, um, and grew up pretty, um, you know, pretty happy childhood. Really, um, not much, not much to complain about, I would say. And and um, you know, loving parents. My my elder siblings doted on me a bit. Um, I definitely didn't have much responsibility growing up, which which would lead to things to come. Um, and in general, was was a pretty happy child, except I always remember that the that I got excited by um, I, I got really adrenaline whenever there was something on the line, um, whether it was a competition, um, playing in school, you know, I was I always I wanted to win. Um, I it mattered to me to win. It didn't matter what it was about, and I was upset if I lost, and. That would carry through with my, you know, my playing sports, my watching sports for my own team. It would have a real, real impact on my, on my mood, how things went in terms of that. And what I would look forward to would be the next time that I would have this adrenaline rush where something I'd either win or lose. Um, ultimately, it took me to, um, I was always looked at the sports, at the football, um, gambling odds from when I was real young, um, even when it wasn't as much advertised as, as it is now, unfortunately, um, and always, you know, understood the odds and everything when I was probably six, seven years old. Um, and finally, I'd say when I was 15 or 16 and started to get old enough to be able to go into the local tabs. Um, started going in and, and placing bets um, on things, and it was the best thing ever. I couldn't, I couldn't believe how exciting it was um, that you know a football match, which I was anyways liked watching, was all of a sudden now it didn't matter who the team was. Um, I was just as excited, and it would, it would be everything. That's what I would look forward to. Um, and you know, through through high school, um, it 
eventually took over to the point where, you know, in year 12, I would spend half my time um, down at Crown Casino, um, having ridden my bike to school, then taken my bike on the train, gone on the train, parked my bike outside Crown, gone in there with, uh, you know, put on a tie and held a, a laptop briefcase, hoping that they'd think I was a, a worker on my lunch break, um, <laughs> and go in and if I snuck in good, and if not, well, then I'd head back and try the next day. Um, but from very early on, I could tell um, gambling had me. Some people say, you know, it was slow, their their path to addiction. And whereas obviously the path to real bad addiction didn't happen overnight, um, it I knew straight away as soon as I, you know, looking back, I was addicted from the first time I ever placed a bet, really. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, do you think there was anything in your family, anybody in your family that would have contributed towards your gambling? Um I don't think that, that, no, I wouldn't, definitely not in the contributing manner. Um, you know, everybody, you know, nature and nurture will, you know, a combination will will sort of, you know, determine what the outcome of a person's life is. Um, for me, I, you know, and one of the, probably the hardest things to deal with was that my, my, uh, my nurture, I couldn't complain about. Um, in fact, I, I remember in early times, in recovery, which we'll get to later, a big problem was um, that I had nothing to blame it on. Um, right. Know, I was lots of people were saying, you know, broken family and 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 you know form of abuse, and and I I you know thankfully couldn't say I had that. Um, it just seemed to be just innate um, that as soon as I looked at something with odds, my mind would just uh, go in overdrive. Um, yeah, and and. Uh, and then I would say, you know, where, where, where I'd say that I didn't happen overnight, it did happen pretty damn quick because I do remember we already saw my first um, gambling psychologist when I was still in school in year 12. Um, and I was only, you know, I only graduated at 17 years old. So it was before I was 18, I was already seeing a psychologist for the fact that, you know, I obviously hadn't been able to keep it a secret from my parents at that time. Um, they'd found out and and sent me to a psychologist for, for gambling um, because I needed it. At yeah. the time, obviously, what I did was is I, I said, yeah, I'll go. I'll tram myself. And, you know, would, across the road, there was a pokies place, um, yeah. which I definitely visited on occasion before or after um, the meeting. So um, fast forward a bit, and I thought getting married and having kids would, would be the thing which would stop me from gambling. Um, because why, I, why did you have that view? Um, I'll tell you what, I loved gambling, but I thought I love my wife more and surely I'm going to love my kids more. And therefore that love will prevail. Yeah. And um, it didn't. And and I, I came to understand um, that that's why it's called a disease. Um, it's why it's, uh, you know, an insidious, you know, really, really bad, devilish disease because that's what it can do to people. Um, it can take the thing that you thought you loved the most in the world and trash completely it. Yeah. put it in yeah. the trash yeah. when it's an opportunity to gamble. Yeah, yeah. Can I just take you back to the psychologist? So what did you say to the psychologist? Um, I could I, – I used to – being the youngest, I used to – I was an expert at getting away with things. Um, and I can only imagine – you know, it was, a, it was a while ago now, but – I, I just remember that I would just I would talk and I would say what he wants to hear. Yeah. Uh, whatever I thought was the right thing at that point to show 
um, contrition to show that I'm going to change my ways. Um, whatever he wanted. Uh, yeah, that, at that point of time, it was just a game for me. That I wasn't ready to change. I didn't really think I needed to change. It was more just at that point, my parents saw that it wasn't healthy what was going on, and naturally they worried. Um, and that's what, you know, that's what they thought they should do. Yeah. So when did it start becoming a problem in your marriage? Um, during our engagement period. Uh, <laughs> right. My, really. my wife um, is from a family, um, a real... A family. She she did not grow up anywhere near addiction, um, and she, you know, I, I I she was aware when we got married, but only really. And I I would have convinced her for sure this was it, and I and I would have been a hundred percent sure that standing on my under my uh, under the canopy getting married, I would have had a hundred percent intention that that my gambling days have passed. Yeah, I would have really thought that, but. At the end of the day, I wasn't, you know, I didn't know at that time how strong it was, um, nor I know how much it would take to actually change things. Yeah. Um, I so, got married at 20. Yeah. Um, and it took till 22 till I first went into the GA rooms for the first time. Okay. So what was life like gambling during that part of your marriage? How did you gamble? Um, it, it was shocking. It was... Um, you know, living life when you're, when everything you do is a lie, um, not because every single thing you do is a lie, but because you're lying so much that you don't even know where it begins and where it ends. So you just naturally begin to really answer questions, nothing to do with based on the truth, just to do with based on what you think the best answer would be. And you end up lying about anything. You know, what did you have for breakfast? Oh, yeah, I had I had a bowl of cereal when I had toast. Yeah. Just because it would just, in my head, if I thought something would make be better, the truth meant nothing to me. I was lying so often that if the truth meant something to me, it would, it would be too hard to live with. Mm. Um, and it was just a way that I'd been able to cope living with myself was to gamble in the closet um, and then when I wasn't gambling, just completely try forget about it. Really try live two different personalities. One was when I was gambling, and then the other was trying to put on the picture of a good husband and then a good father. Yeah. So do you want to talk about gambling at the casino? What sort of things did you gamble on? Um, anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, I, I... I would, at the beginning, I remember having a disdain for pokies because I, I thought it a bit lower class than the table games. Um, but at the end, by the end, and not really by the end, very, very soon, it was whatever could feed my habit the quickest. So if I would go and I'd want to play poker, I might put my name down on a table. But if there was a waiting line, you can bet that I'd be, well, you can bet, mm -hmm. um, I'd, I'd be at the pokies until yeah. my name was called. And I wasn't even able to play one machine at a time. I had to yeah. play two. You know, I had two hands. Um, I needed the more I could get, the better it was. There was no, there was no limits for me. Yeah. Um, so what's it like when you're gambling two machines? It, you know, people talk about being in the zone and uh, not thinking about anything else. So can you describe it? It is. It's. It is a full-blown. Um, it just completely encompasses your brain's working power at that time. Nothing else matters. Completely, 
engrossed in what's happening at the time. And for somebody who's an addict and going to get away from things and going to block out problems, there's nothing better than doing something and being able to completely disassociate from everything outside what's going on right there in your chair. Um, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was not a social gambler at all. Um, if I saw a friend somehow gambling, I'd try my best to make sure they didn't see me. Um, I was When I was gambling, it was there to feed my habit. It wasn't to socialize. It wasn't to anything. And, um, and it was tiring. It was exhausting. Um, it was, it was exhausting because I'd, I'd, if I was playing two machines and playing it for a while, I'd go to sleep and I'd still see those machines running down my clothes and eyelids as I, as I fell asleep and, and waking up thinking, you know, with the, with a headache from the music. Um, and those times they used to all be in smoke in the machine near the machines and just a headache full of cigarette smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds lovely. Not a not a not a pleasant not a pleasant time. No. Um, what was I going to say? Um, so, what caused you to go to Gamblers Anonymous first? Okay. So the first time was actually a, a friend of mine who had um, who had known had had attended a different twelve step um, meeting that introduced I guess it was probably me um, introduced me to Gambler's Anonymous when I was 22. Um, I don't remember at all thinking of it before then as an option. I don't remember think you know, it wasn't an option that I knocked back earlier, um, or it wouldn't have been something that I would have been running to do either. Um, but at that stage, and I just had my second child and had gone through many different attempts of promising um, on everything that I would no longer gamble, and it was just after my second child things were just not getting any better and it was that point that I for the first time realized I can't go on living like this um, it's I, I can't not gamble at the moment I need to too much but life's too hard while I am gambling and um, I wasn't very good I got caught a lot <laughs> and you know every time you get caught and I'd cry and I'd be sorry and I was sorry and I probably was meaning that I wouldn't do it again but there's only a certain amount that the people around you can take of that. Um, so mm. yeah, I, I I was skating on thin ice um, with my marriage probably, um, you know, not overtly, but you know, looking back on it, definitely, if I hadn't done something then about it, mm. um, and yeah, and thankfully a friend showed me the way there, and I and I managed to stay clean for a while, yeah. but uh, didn't stay clean. Yeah. Right. Okay. So do you want to talk about um, how long you you were clean after going to GA? Sure. So when I first went in 20, when I was 22 years old, yep. I'd say I, I, I did the program reasonably well for six to 12 months um, in terms of, you know, going to a meeting once a week. Um, I don't think I got a sponsor or did the steps, but it stopped me from gambling. And that was the main thing at that time. Um, or at least I thought that was the main thing at the time. And it definitely was very, very helpful. Um, a year later, I'm, I just, I got complacent. I thought, you know, I'm 10 to 15 years younger than the majority of the other people in the room here. They talk about things that they've done that I was not yet to do. Um, and I say yet now, um, <laughs> but I thought, you know, I'm never going to do that. I, and I probably thought I had a problem, but now I've matured, um, 
if this was five, six years later, I'd fight, like until 27, 28, managed to, you know, not gamble at all. Um, and I remember then convincing my wife, just let me play a game of poker with my friends. That's all I really want to do. Because um, I was missing out on, you know, my uh, my social circle was getting together Saturday nights. And I missed that. Um, I missed it from the social point of view, but also obviously from the gambling point of view. Um, eventually, after many times and she just decided, look, I can't stop you. And me saying, you know, I'm a changed person now. Before I'd never grown up. Now I've got a business and it's everything's better. Within within two weeks, I was gambling outside that poker game. And even the first ever time I remember, um, and I had hopes that this might work, but driving home and thinking I need to go online and gamble more now, um, really I knew straight away gambling in moderation was just not going to work for me. Yeah. So how long did that last for? So, yeah, so until I was about 27, 28, um, and then the next – and then I would have gone – and then I went back to it. Um, this time it was, you know, it was a bit slow and subtle how it developed from being something which I probably shouldn't do but was still relatively in control of to a few years later when I was 32, 33 – I'd undone all the work in my business that I'd done, um, you know, everything in my life that I'd built up in those years of abstinence, um, I'd managed to destroy um, in those three or four years between 28, 32, 33-ish. Um, then managed to, you know, I got so scared of what was happening, um, not through GA, but I went to a rehab place. Um, then I came out and I did a lot of reading um, in self-improvement, I tried to go to GA it, for whatever reason, didn't work for me. I now know why, but at the time didn't know why. Um, I sort of kept on busting, you know, starting again, busting, ended up managing to get off gambling, um, for a few years, um, at that point, but really was not recovering, was was still was doing drugs, um, which had been in my life on and off throughout as a way to cope with, um, as a way just to you know go to sleep when things were hard. Um, although not just at night time, really just to, you know, I'm, I'm an addict. So if yeah. there was something which I thought would be an easy way out for something or an easy way to relax, have a good time, you know, I, I didn't worry about the consequences, my, my addict brain, I guess. Um, because I thought I just needed to stop gambling. That was the main thing. Yeah. It wasn't so much about recovery. It was just about stopping gambling. Yeah. And um, Well, listen, yeah. we might stop there. We yeah. might have a break. Coming to 3CR on the 13th of March is Rainbows Don't Fade with Age. Rainbows Don't Fade with Age, presented by Vel's LGBTI Aging and Aged Care, sharing stories and information to empower and inspire action for all those interested in the health, well-being and visibility of older LGBTI plus people. Rainbows Don't Fade with Age on Mondays at 2pm every fortnight on 3CR. Uh, welcome back. Uh, this is the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. If you'd like to listen to one of our many podcasts, then you can find us on your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free and check out our website. You can also contact us via phone, email or Twitter. 
Uh, today I'm talking with Yakov, and we're talking about compulsive gambling and his recovery through Gamblers Anonymous. Um, so, Yakov, before the break, uh, we were talking about, um, I guess, not gambling but but not recovering. Um, so, do you want to talk about um, how COVID impacted uh, your life and how it impacted your gambling and your recovery? Sure. So, I uh, I'm um, I'm in a business of event hospitality which is basically revolves around um, events to happen, um, you know, concerts and to have with them, you know, a restaurant and a hotel package and, th- and things like that. So when COVID came, my work came to a standstill, um, which meant I had nothing to do. And as most addicts of any kind will tell you, the enemy of an addict is boredom or spare time. So during COVID um, and at that time, when I was, when I, I think at the start of COVID, I probably, I was not gambling. Um, during COVID, I think probably a couple months, a month or two into it, um, I started gambling again. There was just too much spare time. I wasn't properly going through a recovery program. So although I had abstinence from gambling, I didn't have abstinence from all addictions. Um, and really looking back, it was inevitable with the with the situation how it was, um, that I went back to online gambling and it went really, really quickly um, into uncontrolled gambling because by this time, you know, gambling is not fun anymore. When you've been to GA in and out and tried to stop in and out, it's not about going and having fun. You might think you're going to have fun, but GA takes the fun out of gambling. Um, <laughs> so it was really just this battle of, urges of wanting to gamble then gambling feeling bad while trying to while doing it um then feeling bad afterwards because i've gambled and then not wanting to feel bad because i've gambled so just gambling more again (laughs) and and that went on for a few months um through covid and then it got to a point um where i guess because i wasn't home with the family the whole time it was it wasn't easy it, it was it was hard to hide um and my wife's quite good at catching on when things aren't going well with me because um, I don't hide it very well. You know, when 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 you're in action, um, you change as a person. Everything changes. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm not a good husband. I'm, um, you know, not that I want to say I'm a bad father, but I'm not a good father when I'm yeah. when I'm in action. Um, it's I'm, like you're in a relationship with gambling. I'm in a relationship with gambling, yeah. and gambling comes first, um, beyond anything else. I pledge my allegiance um, to gambling through thick and thin um, when when I'm in action. And um, and I think it. I don't remember the exact specific reason, but I wasn't. I was never happy in this period gambling. So I'd gamble, but then I'd come forward and tell my wife, I don't know why I gambled. I you know I've got to stop, and she'd agree with me, obviously. And that happened a few times until eventually I just thought, you know what, I've got to give GA a turn again because mm-hmm. I hadn't been to GA for, I don't know, a few years really. Maybe I'd gone once or twice here and there. Um, obviously, during COVID, there was no meetings, or but I went onto the website and I found out they were doing Zoom meetings. Yep. And I, you know, my, my initial response was, all right, well, now nah, Zoom meetings not as good, so mm-hmm. I guess it kind of, but... I was I was tired. I was sick and tired of waking up in the morning, already now being married, 
seven, 16 years at that point, 16, 17 years, having older kids that can pick up when things aren't going well. Um, and I, I was just sick of it. I, I just, I yearned, I, I had a taste of the good life through different forms of recovery. And I just wanted a peaceful life back. I was ready to just give up, you know, give up things and just search for some serenity. Um, so I went back to GA. There was Zoom night. The good thing about it was that the geographical location didn't matter. There were meetings yeah. whenever you wanted them. Yeah. Um, there were meetings from overseas. There were meetings from interstate. So I was able for probably a few months from September in 2020 for the first few months to attend three, four meetings a week on Zoom. And when I've gone to GA of any kind, I've never gambled. And I know that sounds silly because, you know, I wouldn't be going to GA if I was gambling, but I've never busted while I've been attending GA regularly. No. I've only busted at times when I've started, you know, when I've got a period of abstinence up, I've only ever busted when I've stopped going to GA and therefore the recovery is not at the forefront of my mind. So being back in GA on Zoom, this time really being desperate, desperate to change and for it to be a permanent thing, I took things seriously. So, uh, you know, I, I, I did the meetings properly. I did the readings properly. I tried to, I started to try and incorporate things into my life um, recovery-wise. I decided I can't, be a, I can't be in recovery from one thing while doing drugs. So I said, ah, that's it. I, I can't, I can't have this on and off battle. And it wasn't, I wasn't doing really bad drugs. It was just, you know, an occasional recreational drug. But I thought I, I can't do it because it comes from the same place. I've got to get rid of all of my um, addict type behaviors and not just hope they go away, but replace them with some positivity. So I started just changing the way of my thinking about my recovery. I started actually trying to become active in it. So not just a matter of staying away from gambling and having to do a few things like attending a meeting, but really getting myself into the recovery properly, um, being in touch with other members. I started to play golf with other people once you could start playing golf again um, through COVID, you know, which, which for me, I love golf. Um, golf has sort of been a, a, a measuring stick in my life. When things are going well, I don't play golf. When things are, I do. Because gambling is just distracting your mind. When I'm playing golf, it's the time, especially nowadays with everyone being on their phone all the time, there's so much distraction. Golf's the only time where I'm out there and I'm, I've got plenty of time to think. I'm, you know, there's, mm. there's not much noise around. There's, you know, there's silence. And when things are going badly, that's the last thing I want because all these thoughts coming through my head, what a bad person I am, you know, all these self-loathing thoughts. But when I'm going well, I can actually really enjoy someone's company. I can really enjoy yeah. the peacefulness, the serenity. So I started using – I wasn't great on talking talking to the phone with members, but I enjoyed golf. So I thought, okay, I'll play golf with a couple of different members and just becoming more involved in the fellowship and becoming more – I guess, responsible in terms of wanting to make sure that, you know, if I chose an, a, a meeting to go to, that I would be at that meeting from the beginning to the end, that I'd be focusing properly. Um, just just a change in attitude that I want things to go right this time. And things improved. Um, things got a lot 
better pretty quick. Um, but then they stagnated again a bit until the real meetings opened up again. Um, and then I forced myself to go to the real meetings because I'd sort of set, I'd, I'd become comfortable in the Zoom meetings with still not having to be really social because as a lot of um, addicts are, we can isolate a lot. Um, yeah. Even when things are not necessarily going too bad, it's often an easy way um, to just pull back in and not deal with people. Um, and it might just be you might just binge a TV show. It might not be gambling, mm. but it isn't it isn't a good behavior. It isn't great for the especially for the addict's brain. So I tried to push myself out as much as possible to be, you know, with other members to talk with them before after the meeting. And time as time went on things started getting better. I started to get a, a passionate about my recovery. I started to start feeling not only, you know, there was a point in my life where at different times through at really bad points where I would be perfectly happy to never be happy again as long as I didn't damage the ones that I loved around me. Mm. You know, if I could go through life and not be a negative influence, a negative impact on the ones that I loved, I would have taken that because I'd felt there was so much guilt about, you know, what damage I'd done, you know, what I put my wife through, you know, what, um, you know, thankfully most of the, my bad gambling with, with, was when my kids were rather younger and I still managed to be a decent father throughout. But, um, you know, just my parents, my friends, you know, I, I was not a good person when I was gambling. Um, so, now I started to all of a sudden be able to look in the mirror and actually like myself, mm. um, be able to really look at myself and start beginning to say all of this, if not worth it, I'm going to make the most out of all of the bad stuff that I've been through um, and try to turn that into positives. And and I believe that I really firmly believe that's the that's the key to recovery because it is so guilt is such a, a killer. Yeah. But guilt is so bad. Yeah. Self pity is so bad. But if you're just stuck thinking about bad things that you've done without a way to turn them around, um, it's really hard. But if you can turn them around and not just tell yourself, but really turn those experiences into positive things. Um, you know, there's so many things now about me as a person that I'm a better person because of being through Gambler's Anonymous. You know, it's such mm -hmm. a a it's such a help um, through life. Like it, you know, it, every person would be would do well from, from yeah. being in a 12-step recovery. It's yeah. basically, you know, be a good person. Yeah. Do you want um, to talk a bit about the impact of the steps? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I'd love to. Um, and it's and it really is. Um, perfect timing even though i agreed to this quite a while ago and i didn't know how the time it would be i happened to just complete uh, the steps yesterday um i'd met with my sponsor once a week um for 12 weeks um and we'd gone one step it one step um each week <clears throat> it, it's the first time i ever completed the steps um i did attempt them um probably about 10 or 12 years ago and got halfway through. I don't remember exactly how it finished, but um, I asked somebody, I asked somebody that actually used to be my sponsor that I'd sort of broken up with um, by ways of me just ignoring his calls and um, just not not committing to, 
you know, my job as a sponsee. Um, and I asked him and I said, I'm ready now if you can you take me through the steps? And obviously he was happy to do so. And he said, you know, but I want to do them. He knows that I'm a procrastinator. Um, So he said, we're going to do them and we're going to stay on top of it and we're going to keep things rolling. So we're going to meet every week. I want you to commit to meeting every week, doing what you need to do between meetings so that we're ready to move on the next week. And um, I was able to start committing to, to do that, went through the steps and have found it just um, really, really great. Like I, I um, you know, people talk about, you know, an enlightening experience and a, or a spiritual awakening. And there's, I can't point to it to a specific moment where, you know, the sun shine, shone through the window in this <laughs> spot where and angels started singing. Um, however, I, I can say that all of a sudden now, even the meetings that I go to, I'm getting so much more out of. I'm listening and I'm able to listen completely non-judgmentally, um, which is not a natural thing for me. Um, you know, naturally, my thoughts usually revolve around myself. So anyone talking, I'm going to always compare them to myself, either if it's doesn't, uh, it doesn't relate to me because they're different in this way, or maybe it doesn't relate to me because I'm better than you in that way. I don't have that problem. Um, I'm able to just listen for the similarities between us and listening to people's stories, and it's remarkable because every person that talks that has time up and that's in recovery is really a walking miracle because there, there just isn't many places or many times where you see a person completely at the pits of their life, you know, at a point of real self-destruction and be able to turn their life around completely to be contributing good trusted members of society i mean it really is the thing that you make a movie about yeah. and and i think that we in inside the, the inside the meeting sometimes can take it for granted that people are recovering because without it it just it's really really hard to change you know in a world where you've got every temptation you want at your fingertips you know they say don't you know don't be tempted stay away from um gambling venues well nowadays the gambling venues in your palm of your hands it's a phone um and it's and it is and then you've got cryptocurrency now which means anyone can gamble without any check whatsoever because there doesn't need to be any you know you don't even need a credit card you just need to have some form of way of getting a cryptocurrency there's there's every single easy which way and going through the steps again this time with a clear mind being able to be really really honest um and it wasn't difficult because you know i know that some people say going through the steps is difficult and they've got to sort of dredge up the past and everything for me again because i i really do look at things of the past as a springboard to where i am now my feeling is is i have a responsibility now to make the past justifiable i can never take back things that i did i can never you know take back the worry that I caused my wife, the worry that I caused my parents. But if I can give them something now to look at and be proud of, then at least I can, you know, rest my head at night um, Mm. comfortably knowing, okay, you know, it's not how you start, but it's how you finish the race kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so we might take another quick break. 
North Preston Life Saving Club is a new creative space, gallery and studios run for and by queer artists with disability. They're currently taking applications for studios and membership with priority given to disabled, queer and BIPOC communities. They'll be running workshops, holding community events and showcasing works by local and interstate artists. The North Preston Life Saving Club crew are seeking assistance in getting up and running and they need your help to get three-phase power to run equipment, including a kiln. To find out more and to show your support for independent creatives, please visit their Facebook page, North Preston Life Saving Club. North Preston Life Saving Club is a 3CR supporter. Get up. A proud black man proud black man you should not wonder Strong spirit, First Nations issues, families, people and stories from a First Nations perspective. Mondays at 1pm on 3CR. Proud black man, proud black man, you should not wonder. Uh, welcome back. This is the Living Free Show on 3CR Digital Radio, live streaming on 3cr.org.au. And we're talking with Yakov uh, about compulsive gambling and his recovery through Gamblers Anonymous. Um, so Yakov, uh, you mentioned earlier um, that you're you have Jewish religion. Um, so would you like to talk about the fact that um, you don't really associate Jewishness with gambling? Is is that a stereotype? Okay, so yeah, what I what what I'd say is it is interesting, um, even in meeting so other people um fellow addicts there is occasionally people that will ask me so is you know isn't gambling against the jewish law and that question in itself is a bit um you know there's there's different you'll get different opinions on it um but most people would say you know there's a general thing definitely gambling for a living um is not a great thing to do um definitely gambling the way i was gambling you know that's would not be good against anything but it's remarkable to me that people will still think that somehow because i am jewish and i am orthodox jewish that the when i'm in addiction as if my religion is going to stop me you know i i mentioned before Mm. you mentioned before that that you know gambling can be like a you're in a relationship and and everyone else comes second i mean that that includes god that includes your religion when you know when i was um when I'm in action, my my religion comes second. Your God, yeah, that's yeah. right. My, my my God becomes gambling. My God becomes, the, you know, and for me, it's gone hand in hand, and that's what's been the best thing about, I guess, where I am now, and what has really enabled me in my recovery. There's a book that I read, which really had a huge impact on my life. It's called God of Our Understanding, and it's by a Jewish rabbi, and basically the book in a nutshell is explains to you if you think somehow that the Jewish religion, if you're Jewish and want to follow all the Jewish customs, that that in any way contradicts with going to a 12-step program for getting help, definitely don't think that. On the contrary, if you want to be a good Jew, you know, quote-unquote, the best way you could do that basically is by going to a 12-step program and following the program because there are in amazing amounts of similarities, you know, when it boils down to it, you know, the serenity prayer of, you know, control what we can control, um, let go of the rest and be okay with it. Well, that's the same thing with religion. It's 
you know, you just because, if you think God's in charge of the world, it doesn't mean you can just sit back and not do anything and say it doesn't matter because God's doing it. You know, what you have, you got to try your best. You got to give your absolute every best effort in everything you do without expecting any extra help or anything like that. You do your best, but you live with the results. Um, and that's, and being able to, um, being able to sort of have that serenity in religion, it's come, it's come hand in hand for me because any, put this, uh, I'll say it again, just to be clear, any thought that I had where if I want to become closer and I want to fix my Jewish spirituality, that that would in any way be competing with the fact of going to a 12 step program was thrown out the window. It was, uh, the book explains, it actually goes through the 12 steps and with each of them explains how basically all of them, you can find within Jewish law, basically agreeing and saying the same thing, you know, don't be egotistical. Think of others for, before yourself. Um, you know, what can you do to help other people? Re, you know, the, the fundamentals are the same and, and it helped me in my mind because, you know, I wanted to be a good Jew. I also wanted to be a good recovering addict. And when I found out that they both could go hand in hand for me, I found it a real big benefit. I mean, and my my sponsor even told me that, I, and I acknowledge I'm lucky. Um, because I was brought up with religion, in terms of this, in terms of being giving it over to a higher power, mm. I don't have any issue with that. For me, mm. it's easy. I believe in a higher power. I believe that... Um, that I believe that if I'm doing what I do can do best, that God will take over and 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 if things don't go well, because just because I'm in good recovery at the moment, it doesn't mean that I don't have bad days. It doesn't mean that I don't mm. have challenges. I've got you know I'm constantly working on my character defects. It's you know there's a million things that I need to fix, but the reason that I'm feeling so good and positive now is because I I don't have anything to hide to to live an honest life and i know this is a bit off the tangent but yeah. you know to live to be able to go to sleep at night feeling that i haven't done anyone wrong that i haven't that there's no one out there that's think that you know what a bad person i am not caring what people think but more because i've done them wrong that when i someone's called me on the phone i don't have to think What's this call about? Like, yeah. what did I tell them last what, time? Yeah. Exactly, and, and you know, I lived years. Every time in action, I would get a phone call from my wife, and I'd be intently concentrating on the way that she said hello. If she said it in a good mood, it meant that I was free. If she had it in a hello, maybe she found something. Um, and it's it's exhausting to live like that. It's 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 yeah. just so unpleasant. Um, being able to be in a position now where I just generally feel um, confident about the direction I'm heading. My relationship with my family is in the best place it's ever been. Um, my marriage, we're, we're coming up on 20 years in uh, in a couple months, um, is in the best place it's ever been. Uh, my relationship with my kids, that who I'm completely honest with, you know, my kids know that I'm here today um, giving this interview and um you know it's something i'm proud of i can be proud of now the person i am 
because of the work I put in. But I know that disappears the second that I get complacent, the moment that I start thinking this good work is all because of me and I'm in yeah. control of everything. The only reason my life has got to the point it is right now is because on September 16, 2020, I decided, I made a decision, I can no longer make decisions at all regarding my addiction because I end up in the same place, which is being miserable, sick and tired. I have to fully trust because I see people that are 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, still attending meetings every week, still saying the reason they have a great life today is only because I attend every meeting once a week. And people always ask them, 25 years? Aren't you cured? Don't you? And they'll say, well, why would I want to take the risk one hour a week I have that I feel contributes to me being able to have a fantastic life? One hour a week. If I commit to this one hour a week and not gambling, everything else in life I can have. Um, and that's where I feel now. I'm, I'm, I'm at a stage now where I'm passionate about recovery. I, I'm looking forward in terms of thinking different ways that I can be of help, um, especially in my position being of help to the religious Jewish community. There is a very big difficulty because it's almost like going back to it's almost like it's not understandable. Like addiction is okay. It can happen to everybody. But if you are a religious person and it's against your religion, you should be immune to it somehow. And that's just not true. Yeah. Um, I won't go into whether I believe it's even more likely you're going to be an addict if you're in um, a religion, but it's definitely at least as likely. And, um, and just being in a position now where I, I'm confident in myself without feeling that it's coming from an ego point of view. Because when I walked in, I had the highest ego and the lowest self-esteem. Yeah. My self-esteem now is has never been better. And my ego, I try work on it. I, 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 I'm not going to say I'm the... I try, I try work on it every day. Um, but everything now is sort of in a good spot for me moving forward. Um, and I really feel that I can be of help to people. My sponsor, having just finished, said, you know, one of the rules he gave me moving forward is if someone asks you to sponsor them, say yes, um, which is good for me as well, just the fact that he believes I'm in that position to do so. Um, and I also know that I can't help anyone if I don't take care of myself, first mm. of all. And everything good I have in my life at the moment, the relationship with my wife, which is going well, with my kids and my parents and my brothers and sisters, friends, it all goes down the toilet if I don't remember that the number one priority in my life has to and will always have to be remembering that I am a compulsive gambling addict um, and I'm perfectly fine dying a compulsive addict because that's what's going to happen. But I can choose to either die in action or die in recovery with serenity. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm hopefully going to go for yeah <laughs> it's a good target okay um if anybody would like to find out more about gamblers anonymous uh, you can find them in victoria on 0396966108 or you can go online at gaaustralia.org.au for more information on recovery and compulsive gambling that's about all we've got time for today so i'd like to thank yoko for sharing his gambling and recovery story with us and talking about how gamblers anonymous has helped his recovery thank you Thanks very much. Yep. And um, 
I'll just we'll, we'll leave a, a bit of a plug out there of my YouTube channel. Just do a YouTube search for Yarkov Belfer, Y-A-A-K-O-V-B-E-L-F-E-R. I'm hoping to get the videos that I made out there um, for whoever could benefit from them, really. Thank you. I'll put the link on the um, podcast. Okay, great. I hope you'll be able to join us next week when we hope to be talking with a member of Alcoholics Anonymous about the impact of alcoholism on their life. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.